0: This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello everyone and welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is your host, Darren Hood. Thank you. Joining me again on today, and welcome to all of the new listeners out there. Wasn't last week a treat for those of you that did hear that episode? We had our first interview on the show, and the interviewee was Keith Enstone, who has been a UX professional since the late 80s, 1989 was when he started doing work. Back then, they referred to people in what we now know as UX as UI designers, but it was really great to hear his perspectives to hear things that he has to say about the discipline. Uh, I'm glad some people out there are able to hear. I'm not the only one talking about things from this perspective and it is really, really critical that the discipline be defined properly. It is critical that the discipline be defended. And by that, I mean, where you have people that are standing up for what UX is really, really about. It is so critical, uh, especially since, as I've mentioned before, about uh, 2013, 2014 was about the time that UX began to um, go under siege, is the, the terminology that I use, where people have been trying to redefine it. People have been trying to to uh, eliminate any potential standards. A lot of the things that many of us practiced years ago, those of us who were who were in UX early on, uh, will present certain types of methods, methodologies. Uh, I talk about the four pillars of usability and heuristics, information architecture, UX research, and interaction and interface design, and... A lot of times people have no idea what I'm talking about and and people have been trying to exalt things like design thinking, which is not really UX at all. And on one hand and on the other hand, things that are done in design thinking are actually things that we were already doing. They just have other people doing the work, which is part of what is actually, it ends up displacing people who are truly experts in the discipline. I I really, really love hearing some of the perspectives, some of the efforts that that Keith is is engaging in. It's just some fantastic stuff. So if you didn't get to hear that episode, I highly recommend that you that you check it out again. We're hoping to have him on the show again in the not too distant future. I also want to make a quick announcement before we get into our, our content. For today, we're going to continue talking about, so you want to be a UXer, where we're talking about different things associated with the discipline, helping to make things clear, helping to make things understandable, helping to give people an opportunity to have a very sober and realistic perspective of what it is to be a user experience professional and not necessarily the pictures that some people are painting out there. So the announcement, I do have a YouTube channel that's about to launch. And the World of UX with Darren Hood is a is a, a podcast that is offered through the CX of M Radio Network in conjunction with the folks at Michigan State University. I'm very grateful for for the opportunity that they gave me to to deliver this show. We've been having an absolute ball doing this. I love giving back to the user experience community. I love giving to the CX community. I love giving to the experience design community. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we're going to be doing on the show uh, on on YouTube. And that show is in conjunction with another one of my efforts that's called UX Uncensored. And we call it UX Uncensored because it's a no-holds-barred discussion. Usually when you hear somebody say uncensored, they're talking about the language and the content and things of that nature. And it's not the language that we, we, we don't even look at things like that. That's not even a, a focal point. Uh, you won't hear me use anything that that somebody could not listen to. A, a kid could pretty much listen to this show. However, uh, in the world of UX, because of the the siege that I made mention of before, there are a lot of topics that people do not like talking about. There are a lot of topics that people are very uncomfortable talking about. There are a lot of topics that people like to, uh, well, they like to think of as taboo. And that's what we're referring to when we talk about UX uncensored. So the, you, you'll find a lot of the talks that I've delivered and I do speak at different, different conferences and, and different events around the world. And I'm starting to share some of those recordings when we do have access to them. So you can hear some of those talks, a lot of great UX information, whether it's mine or somebody else's good UX information has a very long shelf life. So it's, it's good to be able to go out and tap into those things. Another thing I'm going to be doing out there on the UX Uncensored YouTube channel is there are talks that I've delivered and the, the decks are available on SlideShare. But if you weren't there, sometimes you don't get the context. There's always something that was, that was discussed that may not show up on the slides. So for that reason, I am planning to re-record all of those so that you don't just have the deck anymore. You'll also be able to, to tap into the or partake of the context and different types of things that were discussed during, during those segments. So uh, that's coming up. We're also going to be doing something that we call Talk in Shop, where we're going to be talking to UX professionals around the world from time to time. We'll just have them on the show and we'll be talking about different things associated with user experience. Again, uncensored. Every topic associated with UX will be covered on that channel. That is our goal. So I want to invite you to partake of, of that resource that will be available in the not too distant future. Uh, and it's actually live now, I, I should say, uh, but new content is, is coming and I'm expecting to actually start rolling out content within the next two weeks. So join me out there, come out there and subscribe. Uh, we thank uh, all of you for supporting the podcast. We thank you for, for, for joining us and for sharing it with your friends and for taking the time to listen again. I love giving to the XD community, to the to the experience design community. Uh, that's what this is all about. It's about helping people grow, helping people get better, presenting some, some perspectives that maybe some people might not be familiar with to give you something to think about, to help everybody to grow, to nurture you, to sharpen that saw a bit so that we can all go forward as UX professionals. And if you're thinking about getting into UX as we transition into our content, for today. If you're thinking about getting into the UX discipline, we're hoping that this series is giving you a lot to think about. We're hoping that this series is giving you an opportunity to examine yourself, to assess yourself, and to see, is this really for me? Oh my goodness, that sounds great. I would love to do that. Hey, I've been doing that for a while already. I just don't have the title there's a lot of things, a lot of conclusions that people may come to as they hear this content. And that's all fine and dandy. Just make sure that you're honest with yourself. Make sure that you're not um, approaching this from a blue sky perspective, no rose colored glasses. We want you to truly understand what UX is about and approach it properly. <laughs> you just heard one of our cats. I- Episode 31, and finally, uh, one of our cats, Rocky, shows up on the show. But let's go forward. We want to continue. We want to pick up where we left off in covering some of these topics as we, uh, part of what we're doing with So You Want to Be a UXer is to, we've talked about different elements associated with personality traits, We've talked about some of the things that that a person needs to have if you want to excel. There are a lot of people who work in the UX arena um, and, and many of them who are in there now. I need to back up and say this too. We are not saying that you cannot be a UX professional if you do not have these things, but we are saying it would be in your best interest and in the best interest of your teams and your operation to make sure you're in alignment with things like this. We're trying to let you know what it is you need to have in place so that you can excel in this field. That is the critical thing that we're trying to do. A lot of people have worked their way into UX positions and in the midst of working their way, into the UX positions. They never really transitioned, and we're going to be talking about that very soon. We're going to be talking about that at the end of the series, actually. They've worked their way into UX-related positions without having some of those traits, and when you don't have those traits, then that turns into a problem. When you don't have some of those traits, or you do have traits that we warned you about, that will spell problems when you go to interact with stakeholders. That will create problems when you try to manage your workload. That will create problems or result in problems when you present your design recommendations and people shoot you down or they do something else that I have a an article available on LinkedIn called when a... When a UX professional speaks. And it was basically highlighting those those things that are really behind the the mindset of a UX professional. Because a lot of people, as we've mentioned on other on other shows, there are a lot of people who do not understand the persona of a UX professional. And so when we say something, they don't take us seriously or they think that it's an a general opinion instead of an expert opinion. And, and that type of thing creates a lot of friction. So when you, when you don't have the personality traits that will help you to, to excel in this field um, and those types of things come up, it can really be painful. It can be problematic for you. So I want you to make sure those that you know about these things. Uh, And yeah, a lot of us didn't have some of those things when we first started out either. Uh, make sure that that's clear but we grew into it we we matured we evolved and 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 a lot for a lot of us it helps no matter where what senior, seniority level you're operating at it helps you to excel where you are today because you did grow and you start to take these things on but the people who are out there who think that we're being gatekeepers no those are people usually with inferiority complexes frankly those are people with emotional intelligence deficiencies, frankly. Uh, Nobody's trying to stop anybody from doing anything, but just like, or just as it is, I should say, in other disciplines, people have to come into alignment with the skill sets, with the mentalities associated with those disciplines in order to excel, to engage with the methods and the methodologies. This is not a subjective discipline. By any stretch, this is an objective discipline that is that is dependent upon a lot of standards and a lot of knowledge and a lot of a lot of different things that we need to enjoy in order to excel. So if you if you resist those things and somebody like me points it out, we're not telling you you're not a UX professional. We're not telling you you can't be. We're letting you know this is what you should do in order to excel. We're not trying to take away your paycheck, We're trying to help you get a better paycheck, actually, but you have to be in alignment. There is no discipline in the world where you can proceed in a subjective manner and excel. Matter of fact, if you try to do that, you won't be in that discipline very long at all. So so people who are listening with a, with a mature ear will understand that. I'm not going to talk about that anymore today. We'll talk about it at other times because it, it's really a problem. Uh, But what we are going to do, as mentioned, let's continue. And I want to highlight just a few quick elements as we start to start to talk about research. We want to we want to spend some time talking about the research aspect of UX, helping people to understand what UX is. And first and foremost, when you hear people talking about research, whether it's somebody who wants to be in research or whether it's somebody who's trying to understand UX research, uh, especially at that initial stage, one of the things that happens, very, very common for this to come up, is that when the word research is mentioned, it's never usually describing what user experience research is. It, it's almost like it's this blanket term that means almost nothing. And, and, and a lot of times I've seen people, especially if they're new to the discipline, and they will, they will claim to be doing research. And all they did maybe was ask somebody if they liked something. Do you like the blue button or the orange button? They, they will literally, this is no joke, people will do that. And then they'll say, hey, they'll come back and they, they have like eight to ten questions, not tasks, eight to ten questions that they presented to somebody. They're all attitudinal. And they come back and tell you that they did research. That is not research. Now, we're going to be spending some time, not in this series, but in another series, and all we're going to do is talk about UX research. We want to clarify some things. A lot of people say, you know, I think I want to do research. And a lot of them don't even know what it is that they're saying. They don't know what UX research consists of. What I want to talk about today briefly, very briefly, is... Four different types of research, and this is not the research methodologies. That's not what I'm going to talk about this time. We'll talk about that next week. Right now, I want to talk about four elements associated with research that is, it basically describes what research is about. What is it that people are gaining from research? What are your goals in research? What types of things What types of conclusions, what categories of your methods, what what, what categories do your research methods fall into? And there are four things that I want to point out just to make these clear. A lot of times, again, you talk to people about research. They don't know anything about the four things that I'm about to mention. But if you're going to operate in this arena, you need to know them. And if you're thinking about getting into UX, you need to consider it because you might not like it when I let you know, when I inform you how how complex research is. The four things I want to mention are quantitative research, qualitative research, formative research, and summative research. Now, there are actually over 90 different methods of research that can be applied in UX, though 8 to 12 are more commonly used, and all of them fall into These areas, (laughs) they're going to fall in at least one. There, there is, and also there's something called mixed methods and that's where you combine quant and qual. That's what we call them for short. And, and so that's really a fifth one. If you want to throw that in there, because you could, there's a way to blend the two together, but let's just, I just want to describe what these are. Quantitative research. If you hear, you heard me, I just call it quant. So quantitative research is about quantity, not the amount of research that you do. When I say quantity, it's that the results that come from that research all revolve around numbers. There's something called a Likert scale. A lot of people call it a Likert scale. It's actually Likert, but uh, because everybody calls it Likert, we let everybody get away with that and we just do it. Don't be anal retentive about it. If they say Likert, just go with the flow. (laughs) How about that? But when you see that, when you see that 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 uh, that, that Likert scale, and you see there are five different things that a person can choose, and those, when people complete that part of a of a survey or they complete that question, a number gets generated from that. When you have uh, research that just consists of a bunch of of Likert questions, then everything that you all the data that comes from that is quantitative and quantitative research just says what it it lets you know what a person is doing. It lets you know how a person perceives something to be. And then a number is, is assigned to that. And then that's, that's the basis of your data. So quantitative research tells you what people are doing, or he tells you how they feel about something. That, that's it. That's all you're going to get from quantitative research. There is nothing of quality nature associated with that from the perspective that you don't get any details out of quantitative research. You may know what they did, what, are they, what they're doing. You may know or, or get an indication of how they think or how they recall what they perceive they feel about something, but you have no details whatsoever. Enter qualitative research. That root word, I think people probably see it, quality. Within qualitative research, we get into the weeds. With qualitative research, you can find out the why. Why are they doing it? What are the details? Did you like X? Did you like this experience? Did you, was it very good? Was it good? Were you neutral? Was it you well, what was it? What, the 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 liquor is gonna go along those little scales. Uh but how about you tell me why did you score it that way? What comes to mind? When you get into the weeds, when you get into the details about a thing, that's where qualitative research takes place. And yes, it is possible to blend the two of them, and then you have, as I mentioned, mixed methods. So you got quant and you got qual. Then you have two other aspects of research, and this is where the overlap can come in because some quantitative research could fall into what we call the category of formative research. And formative research is about just that, where you are forming things. It's something that's usually done early. It's used to help find issues in a design, a heuristic analysis, What is a means of providing formative research? Maybe you have some AB or some multivariate testing, some usability testing in general. And and, and in all of the formative research efforts, you're trying to take a look at where you are early in a process. A competitive analysis could easily be part of formative research because you're trying to form your strategy or you're trying to form your approaches. So, again, that's what you do early, and quant or qual could be applied to formative. The fourth, the last one, is summative, and summarizing. Summative research is usually done toward the end of a project. It's used to validate usability, functionality of what you've already done, what you've already executed. It can even be done before a redesign. This is one of those uh, little bit of the variances here. It can be done before a redesign to help you understand what the current state is and to identify low hanging fruit. Out of that, you can then do some formative research so that you can put your get your building blocks together and then build your overall UX strategy. But four different things, quantitative research, it's just about the numbers gives you very high level information. Qualitative research allows you to get the details, to get into the weeds about a thing. Formative research helps you to form your, your mindsets and, and to structure things early on in a project. And then summative research is used to summarize how well did we do, how well did we execute, is everything really validated, can we go forward, should we go forward, where do we stand? And then all the different methodologies associated with research fall into these categories and you apply them as necessary depending upon what it is you're trying to accomplish. So here's our overview uh, of research and we're going to pick up next week and spend some time talking about some of the different methodologies associated with research and we'll probably talk about where they fit also. So here's your intro to research. We hope you got something out of it today, but it's time to sign off. We are out of time today. So this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show, and visit cxofm.org for more resources.